all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the owner of this podcast, and I am also the founder of CoveyClub.com. And I have a great discussion today for you with Jill Griffin. She's a career strategist, executive coach, podcast host, and a speaker. And she is also somebody who has learned to live with uncertainty because of a traumatic brain injury that it took her 18 years to actually figure out what it is, why her body was responding the way it is, and to learn to work and live with that kind of uncertainty, as well as trying to help people understand how to deal with people and and be kind to and understand people who may have invisible disabilities. Not everybody has a visible disability. This is a really big concept. If you have chronic pain, if you have an invisible disability, people don't understand what that is. They don't understand your limitations. And especially at work, they may not even believe that you have an issue that you can't respond to. In any case, this is a wonderful discussion. I hope you enjoy it. She has wonderful tips and tricks for helping you get through it. And she also has her three C's, which teach you how to deal with living with this kind of uncertainty. So let's welcome Jill Griffin. Welcome, Jill. So glad to have you. Thanks. Great to be here. So you have quite a reinvention story. Um, when I read your note to me, I was like, no, we have not talked about that before. <laughs> so why don't you why don't you launch in and talk about what happened to you and basically how that caused you to reinvent? And I will ask you some questions as we go along. Okay, sounds great. Um, so for anyone listening, my name is Jill Griffin. And basically what happened is I was a media and marketing executive. And just at the point where my career was starting to take off, I was involved in a fall. I was hiking um, in Australia. So I was hiking and I fell down a waterfall. And really what had happened um, is that it ended up resulting in a traumatic brain injury. But what often happens with brain injuries is they're insidious and they're slow. Sometimes they're fast, sometimes they're slow. Mine was slow. So I was definitely concussed and I was definitely not feeling great. And I was noticing like orientation issues over the next couple of days where I was just feeling dizzy and brain foggy. But it was really when I got back to the US where um, over the course of the next couple of months, I really started to see the impact. And what was happening also at the same time was, as I mentioned, my career trajectory was taking off, but I wasn't able to tell what was sort of my own, um, you know, cognitive and brain fog, what was just, you know, velocity of business in an intense environment, what might've been my own ego, what might've been a toxic situation I was in. It was really hard to ascertain what was what. And I just remember making a decision that like, I got to figure this out or I'm done because the, the exhaustion of constantly trying to show up, but not really know what I was showing up for was so overwhelming at times. And I just was like, I have to figure this out. And I had been at this point to so many practitioners, so many doctors, 
And they all just kind of kept saying the same thing. Well, you had a concussion and it's like, right, but it's been two years. So why oh are you getting better? Wow. This, this has been an 18 year journey. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. So what it really happened from there was I just said, okay, I'm going to have to teach myself and I'm not going to go to med school. Cause I'm not that interested, uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm going to have to figure out what is going on where I was starting to put threads together around food and my environment and noise. And, you know, you're, you're in New York city. So the screeching of the subway brakes is such a loud noise at certain yes. subway stuff yes. that my eyes and I would vibrate and I would get dizzy and start to fall over. Oh right. My. So that's what I was dealing with. Um, lighting and environments, uh, you know, we all work with that, that, uh, that like deeper baritone voice that, or that individual who likes to make their points by, you know, pounding on the, t- the conference room table to stress a point. And any of those little vibrations were enough to completely knock me either physically over or be so like rattled um, where I couldn't think. So you can imagine, you know, there was a lot of fear about if, well, if I don't get better, and if I can't perform like I used to, I'm going to get fired and I'm going to lose my job. And if I lose my job, then I don't have employer sponsored healthcare anymore. And if I don't have healthcare, how am I getting better? Right. Wow. So suddenly you can imagine that this is all circling around in my brain, but I'm keeping it a secret. Meaning obviously my family, my friends knew, but I wasn't telling people because at the time, you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but I never recall seeing anything in any employee handbook around invisible or non-apparent disabilities and how to work within them. No. Um, I was also, I mean, I was fired from a job because I was told I was not a team player because I couldn't go on the yacht. Um, one of the leaders had a yacht and constantly wanted to have client business on the yacht after work. And I couldn't go on the yacht. I couldn't show up. So yeah, I mean, this this fear of like, if they found out, if they knew my opportunity is going to be even more limited and I'm not going to excel against the goals that I want to. And I'm also going to lose my healthcare. The so, healthcare thing is horrific, isn't it? That's the, just yeah the crazy thing about the U.S. Yep. I was spending about 50% of my salary each year on healthcare that was not covered. Oh, so anywhere, thing. anywhere from 30 to $50,000 a year in, you know, this MRI, this test, this, 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 that, that just was not covered. Like, and yeah, it was, a, it was a real thing. And then, you know, then also the social stigma of, well, you're successful. How come you don't own an apartment yet? Well, cause last year I spent $50,000 in medical bills. What did you do with your money? <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Oh my God. How old were you when that all happened? I was 30. Okay. So from there, um, really understanding about functional medicine and functional nutrition, I started to study. I became a health coach, which is where I first started to learn about the impact that um, functional functional nutrition is really the study of anatomy, physiology, and food. And by food, we mean everything from the physical food that you're putting in your mouth to the environment, to mold and toxins, and really understanding like what was actually going on with my body. That study helped me greatly understand the brain much more and got clear and like, oh, I, because I didn't have a diagnosis beyond, I mean, I have one today, but at the time, because I didn't have a diagnosis beyond concussion, every time I 
I, I didn't have the language, the vocabulary that when I was referred to the next neurologist or the next practitioner, I didn't know how to explain what was going on. I just kept saying, I'm foggy, I'm underwater. Um, you know, I can't always see straight. I'm really dizzy. I feel like I'm drunk at times. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and then of course, working long hours, trying to show up at your job that I was giving the best of me to my job Monday through Friday. And by Friday night, I would be so exhausted that I would spend a good chunk of the weekend in bed so that friends and family who I want to spend time with, like I wasn't able to show up for them. So all of this was going on. And that's when I was just like, enough. So that studying and getting understanding of the brain, what was happening with me, and then being able to sort of be the hero of my own journey, like start to co-heal, start making decisions as to what I was going to do differently, both environmentally, um, food-wise, and also getting really clear from a professional standpoint, what were my non-negotiables. That was start the start of making the change. Um, and then, you know, as I started to get more senior and get promoted and show up, what I was finding was that everything that I was learning about the brain, I was bringing back into my work and, you know, leadership and my various management teams were kind of like, well, two for the price of one, wait, you're a, you're a performance and a strength coach and a mindset coach. In addition to being a marketing professional, great. <laughs> right? So now my team is performing better. I'm performing better. I'm getting raises and promotions. My teams are happy. My clients are happy. So just the proof of like, okay, so when we start to mix the mindset in with the actual tactics and strategy of what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, we can create a whole up-leveled experience in performance in the workplace that wasn't previously there and maintain career well-being. Wow. Incredible. So what do your clients come to you for what, when you specialize in this? Now you're off on your own. Had you been at a, a sounds like you were at a corporation for a long time. Is that correct? Yeah, I was at a few different um, companies within advertising, marketing, um, media companies, working at various companies that way. Um, today, you know, I was a trained strategist. So my work when I worked for corporate, I was a strategist. So always looking at the behavior of the consumer, the marketplace, the product, looking at trends and trying to decide the path and the navigation to move forward to create whatever the success was. And that's really what I did for myself. So when I went out on my own five years ago, this understanding of like, okay, I'm actually a career strategist. It, you know, yeah, I had a traumatic brain injury you might have another challenge. You might be one of very few people that's a parent in your environment. And all of a sudden, culturally, how are you working within, you know, the, the environment or the colleagues and how are you overcoming some of the difference, the nuances and the challenges, and maybe some of the judgments that are against you, right? So it's anything from that to something as simple as, I want to get ahead and I don't understand why I'm not getting promoted. What is it about how I'm showing up, who I'm being or who I'm not being that isn't getting me to the next level because I want to do meaningful work and this is really important to me. So today people come to me for that career strategy. I really start with getting clear on their strengths so that they know what they're good at and uniquely and how they show up to create confidence and create the result they want. And then I also think it's really um where I haven't seen anyone else who does what I do, where because I worked in the environment, I know what it's like to deal with um, matrix 
organizational structures and have, you know, vendors and client and leadership and teams and be able to manage and navigate. You know, a lot of my clients will come to me at times and be like, how do I respond to this? I don't even have the words or the language of how to respond to this, which is something I had too, but mine came through the medical lens, right? So understanding how to respond, understanding how to come up with, you know, communication strategy to navigate within the challenges that we have. And it's been such a tremendous, I mean, I look at this work now as a ministry where uh, it's been such a tremendous gift to me that I get to witness what changes my clients are making in their lives. You know, I also have, it's so funny because once it starts, it's like the referral chain. So I have husbands, I have spouses, I have siblings, um, where when you start showing up in a different way and changing your language, you want your loved ones around you very often to share that same understanding. And then the impact that the work has made and the changes they've made at the family level it is amazing. And that's where I came from, right? If you recall, I said that I was giving the best to my job and I love yes. the work I did, but then I would be in bed all weekend because I couldn't function. So how do I create the balance that my work gets the best of me and my family gets the best of me? And I just thought, gosh, if we could help parents deal with their stress and confidence and navigate their career strategy at a different level, then when they come home, imagine how different, you know, the small incremental changes could be in the family structure in their family's life. Again, I don't work on that, but how you do anything is how you do everything. So when you start showing up differently in your career, you're going to create a level of career well-being that you're going to be in a different mindset. And then you're bringing that into all the other aspects of your life. So what have you learned, Jill, about the brain that makes you teach something different? What is there some one or two or three things in particular that you address that you Yeah, learned? I mean, it, it, it definitely comes from mindset, right? And I always look at it for, you know, there's your thoughts and then it's becoming the watcher of your thoughts and really getting clear, is this thought true? And can I prove it to be true? Because once you get to the, can I prove it to be true? You really learn pretty quickly that you can separate story from fact. So we want to respond to the facts. We don't want to necessarily respond to the story. So that was one thing that was one of the biggest, um, biggest shifts in overall mindset for me. And then from a health standpoint, you know, making sure that I was creating an environment, like I am really persnickety about lighting <laughs> because it, oh. it impacts me so much. Okay. Um, uh, you know, understanding, you know, for years we would go to Las Vegas for trade shows and that would be a vestibular nightmare for me because of all the blinking sure. and all oh my that, God. right? So getting right. really clear on how to show up there. And then also from a brain standpoint is staying as anti-inflammatory as possible. So it's not from a diet weight loss standpoint, but when I say in a restaurant, you know, um, you know, that I don't want gluten or I don't want certain foods. People are often like, oh, are you on a diet? I'm like, no, I'm actually making sure that I don't have brain fog and that I have the clearest brain health possible so that I can show up and perform. Because it's one thing to have a headache and feel a little bit like you took cold medicine when you didn't. It's another thing to lose your motor skills and feel like you're drunk when it's two o'clock in the afternoon. And wow. all you did was have lunch where- someone told you it was gluten-free. Oh, really? Wow. It impacts you that much. Incredible. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so those were some of the things just from that. And again, a lot of what I'm doing is, is that mindset work. And the reason why I tap into strengths too is that when you truly know the themes and the areas in which you are excellent, it doesn't matter if I show up in healthcare, the legal profession, as a marketing professional, right? That's not almost becomes secondarily. But if I know that, for instance, I'm wired to always be thinking about the future and how we can improve that. And if that's the way I'm showing up, well, then everything I do is always going to be around testing and challenging. Well, how can we improve this? And how do we keep an eye on future and future growth, right? So it, it's no shock that I'm a, I'm a trained strategist because that's just the way I'm wired. But again, it doesn't matter whether I'm looking at a marketing campaign or if I'm working in healthcare. It's understanding that my strengths and when I'm in the flow and when time passes without like your day flies by and it was good and you didn't feel like, oh, I got to right. do another thing, right? It's really understanding how to work in with that. And then look, we're employees sometimes and we don't always get to choose exactly what we want to do within the course of our day. But then it's like, how do you use mindset and time management to rethink that? So like, I'm never going to do a rolling forecast after 3 p.m., right? Not the best use of my brain. Let's do that earlier right. in the day when I'm fresh. Right. So finding the balance within that. And then again, navigating some of these complex, I mean, I've heard stories at times that are like squid games, right? It's like, how do you navigate within and how do you navigate, you know, depending on where you live and what your scenario has been, we're, you know, rounding out year two of a pandemic of a disruptive right. lifestyle, right. And, you know, the brain is not wired for this much prolonged uncertainty, right? So how are you thinking about, okay, if this is our new normal and whatever that means for you at an individual level, how are you working within that so that you can continue to perform however it is that you want to perform with that throughout your day? Can we talk a little bit about that? Because that came up in other things I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and so, and there are a lot of people listening who have probably got serious um, or chronic health issues as well. Can you talk a little bit about living with uncertainty and how one does that? How did you do that? Mm. And specifically, are there books you would recommend? Are there, are there any particular you know, strategies for dealing with that? Um, yeah, that is a really great question. So what I have come to realize that everything in life is uncertain. And the only thing that is certain is your thoughts and your brain. So that exercise of really getting clear in separating story from fact. So when someone's like, well, you know, this is never going to work because he said this and she said that and all of that, that's all story. The only parts that are facts is that someone said words to you and you get to decide what you're going to do accordingly. Yeah, you need to be you know, strategic and look at the data and the facts that they're giving you. But if you're, if you're letting the uncertainty of a scenario stop you, you want to pause and say to yourself, okay, where in the past have I been uncertain and have figured it out? Where in the past have I tapped into my own resourcefulness and been able to use what I know, right? And when we do this, what happens with the brain is that 
The brain is built to do main, and I'm totally simplifying, but the brain is meant to do three main things. Seek pleasure, food, procreation. Avoid pain, which used to be like saber-toothed tigers. And now it's angry, <laughs> like now it's like angry emails from bosses. Right. Right? <laughs> right. And then the last thing it does is efficiency. And that efficiency is it wants to keep you alive. So it's it's why when I sit down at my keyboard each morning and I go to type, I don't have to retrain myself on where the letters are on the keyboard, right? Because that efficiency taps into it. Where the efficiency also is it goes to the most current, most frequently used thought. And a thought is a sentence in your head that you have continued to repeat until it becomes a belief. So you are constantly thinking, he doesn't like me, I'm not going to do good at this job, or whatever your thought is. And that's the efficiency. So the efficiency is going to go to that most current thought. So what I do with people is I teach them, think about it like, a rocking chair on a rug. If we keep rocking that rocking chair, it's going to make grooves in that rug or carpet. That's neuroplasticity, similar to the brain. So I need to teach you how to move the rocking chair so that we create new tracks. And we do that through creating certainty by questioning, can we prove it? Is it true? Is it real? Okay, that's a lot of story I'm telling myself. What are the facts here? That's the certainty. What are the parts that I want to respond to? And then coming from a place of choosing our thoughts wisely. This doesn't happen overnight. This is the practice. This is why I work with people in session. But we're constantly looking at, we all tell ourselves frequent stories and we go back to them. The way we change our performance is we have to change that story. Can you give an example? I know what you're talking about when you say this, but I'm guessing some of our listeners don't how the brain makes up stories for things that are happening, just so they understand what you mean when you say that. Yeah, um, that's a really great question. So again, going back to that motivational triad of what your brain does, seek pleasure, avoid pain, be efficient, because your brain is wired to keep you alive. It is always going to find something to latch to, to make sense of. So if you have a scenario like, All right, well, let's see if this one works. So back in the day, a lot of my thoughts around getting fired weren't out of nowhere. I was fired, like I said. So if I chose to be the victim of that, I wasn't going to free myself. So I had to learn how to think about it differently. So the way I went about that is I decided, where was she right? Where was she right that I was not a team player? Well, If part of the job is entertaining and I can no longer entertain and have challenges going into bars or on the yacht to be able to entertain clients, you could see how I'm no longer a team player. I'm just bifurcating here, right? We can, we can get into the the other thighs of like, well, that's a really jerky way to treat. Yeah. Right. right? Like from the outside structurally. Yes. Actually. Sure. And, and today I can't believe HR would ever allow that to happen today, but things are different, right. In the early two thousands and stuff. Right. So I have to bifurcate that. And if I stay a victim, she did this, she said this, this is what happened. I don't free myself. So I look for ways to neutralize the thought. And in this case, I find a way, well, how is she right? Now I have an opportunity to really look at that thought and question. She did this to me, where is she right? 
That's that cognitive dissonance, right? Two opposing thoughts. Well, is there something in the middle that we can think of? This is how we change the neuroplasticity, right? Is there something between I'm right and she's wrong? Is there something between, you know, this happened to me and, and you know, this is no big deal? Like, is there something in between? So you just start playing with language a lot of times. I'm willing to see where she's right. I'm open to seeing where she's right. Those thoughts right there start to calm you down because you're playing in a place where you're starting. And this is not gonna like, you're not gonna say it once and it'd be fine. You might have to say multiple times a day. I can't believe this happened. Okay, but let's look at, you know, let's look at something in the center here. This did happen. How do I wanna think about it? How do I wanna free myself from it? Because when I continue to make someone else wrong and me right, I'm staying in their control. I want to empower myself. And the only way to empower myself is to rethink a situation. And is that controlling the story your brain is telling you, Jill? Is that what you're saying? Is that the brain is telling you you were bad and so you were fired? And you're saying, now, wait a minute, maybe that's not the truth, but maybe there's some other way to, to get out of the I was bad. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no different than I could wake up every day. And the first thing I put in my head can be Twitter or the news. And I get to listen to everything that's going on in the world. And that's going to put me, at least for me, that's going to put me in kind of an anxious and stressed state. Agreed. I can also choose to start my morning with prayer and meditation and mindset work. And therefore, all of that is still going on in the world. But I've just told my brain something different because I chose reality. I chose a different reality. I'm not denying that those that content and those words are out there. They are. But I'm deciding for myself how I want to paint my reality. And then from there, when I'm coming from a different place of certainty, I can deal with that news report. But if it's the first thing that's hitting me in the morning, I don't know that I'm going to be able to deal with it as balanced as I'd like to Then after I've done some thought work and done some meditation work. So let's just, because we're almost at the end here, I want to make sure that we get this in for the, for the people that are struggling with some kind of chronic thing, or a lot of people like you are struggling with something undiagnosable or it has not been diagnosed, or they keep being told that, you know, it's this, and then they think it's that. I mean, I can think of three people I know who are in that yeah. weird, what did they do and how do they handle their brain when they're dealing with this? I mean, that is just unbelievable uncertainty and trying to respond. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can only tell you what, what has worked for me and what has worked with my clients. And that's yes. really, that's really, I look at it, I call it the three C's. I look at it, the three C's. And the first is like, one, you have to get clarity on what are your non-negotiables. So non-negotiables might be the food you put in your body, the environment, the people you hang out with, the exercise you need, the, the basic, like, health practices that you need in order to perform and do your job. That has to come first. The second thing is mindset. And that comes from the, the second C is certainty, which is mindset. 
And that again, I get to choose that it's possible today, I will be one step closer to achieving this goal, or it's possible today that I'll be one step closer to figuring this out and healing. And that statement of possibility creates a different feeling for me than I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, right? That comes like that feels tense and closed and stressful. Whereas if I say it's possible today that I'm going to get one step closer to figuring this out, feel a little curious, feel a little opened, a little inspired, right? And now I'm taking actions from curious, open, and inspired. When I take actions from that, I'm creating my results from a place of positivity versus if I take action from anger and fear and anxiousness, guess what I'm gonna create? I'm gonna create more than that. So again, we are not gaslighting ourselves. We're simply questioning what is true and finding things that we want to be certain that we, the mindset that we wanna be certain about. And then the last C is confidence. And this comes in from a lens of confidence I look at in two ways. There's confidence and there's self-confidence. Confidence is I've rode a bike before. I'm confident if I get on it, I can ride it again because I have past experience and past evidence to prove that I can go through this. I've written a speech before. I built a presentation before. I've gone to a client meeting and run it before. I'm confident that even though I'm feeling a little nervous, I can do it again. That's confidence. Self-confidence is knowing that I can experience any emotion and some of them are going to suck, but I can get through the other side. And that creates self-confidence because if I know that this experience might generate fear or anxiety with inside me, but if I breathe and I process where that emotion is in my body, maybe it's a knot in my throat or tense in my chest, and the option to remember that that is just neurochemicals pulsating through my body, creating that sensation. And I don't necessarily like it, but it's not going to kill me. So when I process that, maybe it takes 90 seconds. It's going to dissipate a little bit. It might swell back up. Process and give the emotion attention again. This teaches, we get out of the primitive brain, which is sending up the alarm signal, be safe, be safe. It's getting out of the primitive brain because you cannot be in fear and in the solution at the same time. So when you have a thought that's making you feel lack of self-confidence, if you go into the body and feel where you're experiencing it and give yourself a beat to feel and dissipate the neurochemicals floating through your body, your prefrontal cortex can come back in, which is the front thinking part of your brain and get you into the solution. And the more you do that, the more you experience an emotion versus resist the emotion, resisting is like pushing the beach ball underwater that is going to smack you in the face when you let go. If you experience the emotion, then in time, your brain goes, oh, here comes the anxiety. I don't like this, but I know how to get through it. And little by little, you create that self-confidence because now you know that you can experience any emotion and get through the other side. And so you just, In your pursuit, I like what you said about you stay curious and thinking today could be the possibility that you find something. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Jill, we're at the very end. Where can everybody find you and, and locate you? Are you on social media? Yes, I am. Um, I'm basically on everything. You can find <laughs> me at Jill Griffin Coaching. Um, my Instagram is Jill Griffin Official. 
And my LinkedIn is Jill Denise D. Griffin. So Jill D. Griffin D is for Denise. Wonderful. You can find me. Jill, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on all you've done. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for hearing, being here and, you know, going through this um, discussion. It's not often we get to talk about non-apparent and invisible disabilities. And I think we need to talk about them a little more if we really want to think about creating inclusive environments and cultures in the workplace. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope if you enjoyed the podcast, you will give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's where it counts. And that's how other people find us. And follow us as well. And if you're really serious about your reinvention, please mosey on over to coveyclub.com and check out all the wonderful information we have for you. We have downloads. We have essays. We have how-tos. We have everything you may need to learn about beauty, about midlife, anything you want to know. And if you really want to get some support, join Covey Club. These are amazing women who are there to help you figure out what's next for you. And what better way to do it than to do it with women who know and who are exploratory and interesting and smart. So hope to see you soon and see you at the next show.